from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZON, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos with Dave and DB. All right. Uh, we're talking about Bubba Hotep and the Silver Key. Yes. Okay, cool. I thought it was John dies at the end until oh. about 10 o'clock this morning. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's next week. And then I had to, I, oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. Uh, and then I had to go and dig out my copy of Bubba Hotep. Uh-huh. I didn't realize they were directed by the same guy. You didn't? No, yeah, I, I was like, I, I, oh, this no, is. I was, I was wondering why we're having a Don Coscarelli like, yeah, art, like art fest. <laughs> no, I did. I just picked. I, I just wanted to pick two light movies. Okay. <laughs> After all the 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 darkness I have wrought upon us. <laughs> I didn't say that, but. <laughs> but. Yes. Ah, all I bring to the table is David Lynch. I'm sorry, everyone. But. <laughs> <laughs> Never apologize for David Lynch, DB. No. <laughs> Are you two ready to rock? Ready. I am ready. Let's rock. <laughs> okay, that was my uh, man from another place impersonation. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. How are you all doing? I'm doing well. With me, as always, Gretchen. And Dave to my virtual right, because that's yes. what it looks like on Skype. <laughs> how are you two? How are you two doing? Well, well, all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm just um getting ready for the weekend. Um, any big any big weekend plans, Gretchen? You always have something fun going on. <laughs> it was one of my buddy's birthdays. Um, I have this like a uh, trio, like a we're a friendship trio of ladies in the. Um, we always celebrate our birthdays together, um, like whenever each one of our birthday falls. And um, this weekend is one of them. And so we're going to go play some. We like to do arcade stuff. We tend to do like the funny, like old lady things. We're like, we're going to go to the arcade or we're going to go do an escape room or we're going to go play putt putt. Like that's the kind of stuff we like to do. We're, we're sure, super sure. like super fun. Okay. I mean, we're kind of obnoxious and hilarious, but, you know, other than that. Yeah. Is there going to be drinking involved? 
No, we're not drinkers. Oh, that's I surprising. Know. <laughs> I know. We're we're not we're not the we're not some drinkers. I don't know. I've just never really like. I mean, I guess I did that in my young 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 days. But now that I'm like an old lady, I'm like, nah. Oh it's sure, kind of sure. I just know a bunch of old ladies when they get together. They drink. <laughs> They swear, nice. they smoke, they play video games, and uh, get into get into way too much mischief that I'm we're not allowed get to be the around. We're gonna get Yeah. Uh, or uh, like uh, I was saying, um, we're gonna get into um, yeah shenanigans. <laughs> do, do the old ladies you know get together and solve murder mysteries? I wish I we should. We're gonna do an escape room. <laughs> oh well, no, I was thinking the 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 old ladies that DB do because that uh, would make a great you know uh no 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 they're more likely to cause murders than solve them (laughs) they're like old ladies with switchblades and uh brass knuckles or women in their early 50s with switchblades and brass knuckles but But i know i'm like we're kind of old ladies i'm like i'm like damn it actually i mean we're like in our late 40s mid to late 40s let me be real we're not old ladies only (laughs) we're middle-aged ladies with shenanigans yeah. Anyway. But yeah, no, that's what we're doing this weekend. And I mean, other than that, I've like, you know, just kind of, I've been, I've been working a lot of long hours. So just having a, a chill weekend sounds wonderful. Very cool. Very cool. Dave, how are you doing? And what's, what's everything like at the goat farm these days? So it is going well. We just got to keep up the water. I'm, I'm going to help a friend move over the weekend. And I was oh, thinking, fun. I could just, duct tape all this stuff onto goats and this run it down the road but there you go <laughs> apparently that's illegal oh okay. dang it all right i i again will be at another festival uh not uh, less of a festival more of a uh like first first uh weekend of the month there's a uh uh, uh town kind of like uh get together and people come from all around to sell things it's a not quite a farmer's market, just kind of like a Saturday market, but it's like the first Saturday of the month in Ridgefield, Washington. I'm going to be oh. selling guitars and uh, 3D printed toys and all kinds of cool stuff like that. So uh, hopefully, yeah, this will not be out by the time. <laughs> so, but check us out if you ever are in Ridgefield, Washington, first Saturday of the month. I like to go there and sell my wares. So, yeah, that's what I got going on. (laughs) Right before the show, I finished painting a turtle that looked like an ice cream sundae. Okay. With movable limbs. It's super cutie. It's just a little toy for for kids that cost 20 bucks. But But your kids are worth it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Anyway. Um, yeah. So this week we're talking about a silver key, not just any silver key, Randolph Carter's silver key, and maybe even the story, the silver key. And uh, Dave's going to tell us about some archaeologists in sci-fi and horror. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to find out who's a good archaeologist and who's a bad archaeologist. They're all fight. bad archaeologists. Okay. All right. And, uh, okay. But then after that, we will be discussing the, oh, goodness, 19, uh, 2000, 2002. I keep thinking it was 2003, but yeah, it came out in 2002. Uh, Bubba Hotep, 
featuring uh, one of our favorites, Bruce Campbell. And yeah. And, and, and Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis, of course, of course. My mom found out that Ozzy Davis was in this and she's like, who does he play? And I'm like, oh, he plays JFK. And my mom laughed hysterically and she said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> You're like you just and gotta did, watch the movie, Mom. Yeah. Did Did you say Did you say they died me this way? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just told her that she had to watch it and uh, loaned her the DVD. I can't remember what she thought of it. Um, I know she doesn't like Bruce Campbell because he's too smarmy. <laughs> okay. She's like, I don't like that smarmy guy. He's always a jerk in movies. <laughs> But it's I don't think she's wrong. ever, I don't think she's, or she, she's only seen him in TV shows and such, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, she's not wrong. But... No, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> 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 All right. So the silver key, Dave, what can you tell us about the silver key? The silver key, the artifact or the silver key, the book, the story. Oh, tell me about the story. So, The Silver Key is was written by, you know, H.P. Lovecraft, uh-huh. and it basically is one of the first Lovecraft stories that I read, and it was, I'm pretty sure, the first Randolph Carter story I read, maybe the statement of Randolph Carter. Gotcha. Uh, which, you know, basically allows him to disappear into other dimensions. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. But you know who loved the Silver Key? Whom? E. Hoffman Price. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. E. Hoffman Price basically wrote Lovecraft and said, this is the greatest story you ever wrote. I, I love <laughs> really? it. Really? Great. Yeah. <laughs> and then e, so e. Hoffman Price begs him to write a sequel. Uh-huh. And so he basically... so. Lovecraft says, okay, give me what you got. And I think E. Hoffman Price wrote like a 30,000 word, uh, you know, beyond the silver key or mm-hmm. no, through the, the gates of the silver key. Yeah. He sent it to Lovecraft. Lovecraft sends it back like a year later mm-hmm. with like 14,000 words, only of which 500 are prices. Completely <laughs> rewrites the story. Says basically, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm, and Hoffman, mm-hmm. Hoffman said this was so much better than anything I created. So oh, that's yeah. right. Uh, Lovecraft wasn't really interested in writing a sequel. Uh, it was it was Price that encouraged him to read the, write the second one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I, I wonder. Uh, part of me wonders if uh, the Swami uh, Shama Butra, if that's mm-hmm. Uh, if 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 that was a concept by Price or Lovecraft, because I always thought that part of Beyond the Silver Key, uh, through the gates of the Silver Key, as being like kind of a bizarre concept, and and, and that really a Lovecraftian concept. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think the original still exists. Yeah, I definitely haven't been able to find a copy to re- read it, but okay. I I would say that was probably a Price concept. Okay. And if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about with Randolph Carter becoming the uh, Swami Shama Butra, I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, 
Look it up on a new page right now as we speak. Yeah, I, I've never pronounced it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I gotta da, da, da. say, this is not... Um, like, <laughs> I'm a little surprised that somebody found this to be, like, the greatest <laughs> Lovecraftian... Right? Written oh, yeah. Short story. It's not... I mean, I just read it today, and... Oh, not my favorite, but like I have a type of Lovecraft that I like, and this is not the Lovecraft that I like. Yeah, no, this is the Lovecraft that I I, I scan through and go, oh, well, all right, um, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> and the, thing the next that I story remember, is better. The thing I remember the most about that that story, mm-hmm. uh, um, is the geography. Yeah, it's very. It's one of those stories that where he talks about like when he spends too much time talking about houses or geography. Or it's a lot philosophy. of name dropping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like and, it to me, it seems tangential. Like he's like um, he's doing like a this is my greatest hits list. But even though it's not, it's a little earlier than that. Yeah. It just has a I don't know um, how to put like I. I found the car- the this particular iteration of Carter to be kind of well he's like depressed and like kind of yeah. at the end of his life and he's looking back on it and yeah. I mean so I get that being part of the like melancholy of the story but I just I I mean maybe because I'm not super familiar with this particular um part of Lovecraft's mythos that yeah. I'm like a little bit lost that I I feel like I should know more and so not knowing like what he's talking about, like reflecting back on, I'm like, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, no, <laughs> or is no, that this... supposed to be like that? Yeah, this is supposed to be like that. This is yeah. like oh. Lovecraft as Carter looking back at his own life is is uh, uh, about the uh, kind of romantic feelings he had about uh, growing up and like uh, his his missed childhood and. Uh, that kind of stuff, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I mean, no. that's what, to me, the story seems to be about. Yeah. And, and I got the feeling it was Poe-influenced. Yeah. Yeah. And... Oh, I could see because of the, the, I'm at my last, and I'm sad and looking back. Yeah, that, I totally see that as being very yeah. Poe in that respect. Thank you, David. Thank and, you. and Lovecraft yeah. admits he, he went through a Poe phase. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird it's just such a I don't know it like it has such a hmm it's like it's like iced coffee versus cold brew how about that one is <laughs> smooth and has oh, like the- a easy flavor and the other one has a very like bitter and kind of dark and hard to swallow mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah as a child though or child like 14 15 there was one legitimate thing in that short story that scares me. What's that? Mm, the rattlesnakes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The snakes in the cave. Why yeah. has it got to be snakes? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, somebody had to. I'm sorry. No. Sorry. But, but I, I, I thought that was one of the really first sort of things that was so grounded in a possibility and so deadly being, I mean, you know, I grew up in a hilly coastal area. Yeah. And yeah, we, we yelled when we went down paths to scare off the rattlesnakes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and so that part was a legitimate scare to me. 
Yeah. No, I really like the part, though, when Randolph Carter shouted out, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking cave. <laughs> I think that was right before he did Nick Fury, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Although, I got, I do have another place where the silver key showed up. Oh, where's that? Warehouse 13. Oh, I oh. remember that. Yeah. I yeah, haven't so thought about that show in so long. It mm-hmm. made me sad, the show. Yeah, so, so Warehouse 13 is basically a version, I think, of Warehouse 23, uh-huh. which is the GURPS version, which was based on, you know, the end of... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I guess sure, you know, yeah. a lot of yeah. archaeology ties in, where they would collect all these artifacts, and they were left over by someone. So you had, you know, Timothy Leary's glasses that made you see things that weren't there. Uh, you know, uh, Matahari's nylons. I don't even think nylons existed in 1917. I don't know, but if a guy touched them, he fell in love with the whoever was wearing them. You know, things like that. And they had H.P. Lovecraft's silver key. Uh-huh. And it made people like think that their neighbors were eldritch horrors, and so of course they kill them. So uh, gotcha. I, I thought that was a great shout out. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Makes me think of Stephen King's uh, Lovecraft's pillow concept. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, uh, Stephen King uh, kept thinking about writing. Uh, a story about someone getting Lovecraft's pillow and like having his dreams because of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And and there's not a lot of Lovecraftian artifacts in the story. I was trying to mm-hmm. think of the, the you no know, the shining trapezohedron, uh, the jade hound. Um, I can't really think of a lot more. You know the cylinders from. Uh, the mound yeah not a lot of artifacts in his stories no yeah that's what i think i found to be so kind of like blah about this story is like it's a short story so it was an easy quick fast read but it didn't have a lot going for it other than just saying like just the this reflection as we've if we as we keep talking about it's like that's and like you said earlier it's a name drop and so now I'm I'm glad to know that I'm not just completely ignorant and realizing that there's I don't know where these things are coming from but now I know it's this is part of a dreamland cycle right this is part of the that series I it's oh man kind of it's it's it gets tacked on because of, of Randolph Carter, team. but I feel like it's its own kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like now that Randolph Carter is, you know, entering middle age, losing the key to the gate of dreams. Um, is that so, just a metaphor for insomnia? I mean, like we all experience it as middle aged people, right? I, I, I think the key to the gate of dreams is creativity. Oh, okay. I think like Lovecraft is saying, I, I, I'm not able to come up with these Dunsanian Poish things. I'm, I'm at my wits end. It's, it's, it's cause we're, 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 uh, starting to come into the era of, of weird shit with Lovecraft. I think mm. after the, uh, 
the 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 uh, silver key. It's it's more of a uh, less dream world and a little bit more Lovecraftian hometown horrors kind I mean, of. I mean, that's what I'm there for is the folk horror aspect. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's what I love about Lovecraft's work um, personally. But you certainly. know, <laughs> yeah. But and you know, um, I it, I think time wise, it falls between uh, Pickman's model uh-huh. and the strange house. Uh, in the mist. Yeah, the strange house in the mist. Yeah, and I yeah. see a little bit of both of those actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I, you know, yeah, I just... see what you mean. Saying that now, hearing that now is like, it kind of makes sense just because of the way the narrative um flows in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has those kind of has those kinds of moments that are very um, huh? Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, David. Yeah. Because like I said, I'm the noob. Many times I'll say this over. I'm the Lovecraftian (laughs) noob in comparison to you guys. And and Pikmin's model, you know, sort of introduced where Pikmin came from. Sure, sure, yeah. That's kind of the salt shaker. And this is where, even though it's after, it's sort of this is what happened to Randolph Carter. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. the pepper shaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Is anyone there? Hello? Yes. yes. Okay. All right. I thought <laughs> I, I didn't have Skype up. I had uh, another page up and I was like, wait a minute. No one's talking. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a pretty good summary of the silver key. That's that's it. I mean, yeah. that's where it came from. That's why it is. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much more we can talk about this short story. Uh, that literally yeah. takes you like 30 minutes to read. It's like super quick. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's the silver key. We're going to put that in a drawer and forget about it. <laughs> Just like Randolph Carter should have. Bless him. <laughs> he feels all, all sad right. about it. Dave, uh, you're going to talk about archaeologists, and after that, we're going to talk about some some Bubba Hotep. Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in a moment. All right. Um, moving on to the next part, just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook, we're under People's Guide the Cthulhu mythos. We're on Twitter. I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed if you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason. You can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube, where this episode will be. And, uh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House 
in the show notes. Hey everybody, it's Dave, and it's time for uh, uh, some one-on-one time, or one in three, or one in five. I, I don't mean to make this weird, but how many people are, are listening? And uh, so today, for this little mid-part, uh, we're going to talk about archaeologists and science fiction and uh, horror. So, a little bit first, uh, I, it just has to be said, most fictitious archaeologists are really bad at their job. Their skill is more about shooting things than like digging up artifacts and, you know, identifying history events or historical artifacts as the plot demands. You know, there's that scene where uh, in the uh, Groundhog's Day version of Stargate SG-1, uh, where they keep going back and this anthropo- or archaeologist is locked some side of time warp trying to get his dead wife back. And, uh, and O'Neill says, what kind of archaeologist uh, carries a gun? And uh, Daniel Jackson waves his hand and he goes, okay, bad example. So in general, we don't see a lot of archaeologists doing archaeology in movies, TV shows, even books and comic books. Uh, so real quickly, I also wanted something I was thinking about. You know, my background is history. And the thing about the difference between archaeologist and a, a historian uh, is that, you know, archaeologists deal with physical, concrete artifacts. Where a historian deals more with stories, ideas, concepts. So this kind of makes it ideal for archaeologists to actually deal with a physical aspect, a cursed relic, a piece of a flying saucer that fell off. Where historians are more cerebral, they deal more with the spirit of history as opposed to the artifacts of history. So a historian is more likely to be a character in a ghost story as opposed to, say, a a thrilling pulp adventure story. And, of course, the classic stereotype, not the first by any means, is going to be Indiana Jones, of this two-fisted, you know, global-traveling archaeologist. And I would say, you know, the, the first movie, which when I first saw it was not Indiana Jones and the uh, Lost Ark, it was just the Lost Ark, um, before there were any alterations into it, I would say is a perfect movie. Second movie, I know a lot of people like it more, a little darker, a little edgier, Um, and the third one, you know, Sean Connery makes it, and there's definitely some good scenes. And there are some really good episodes of the Young Indiana Jones Adventure. There's some great comic books, dot, dot, dot. There's other movies, dot, 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 
but you know what I mean. And he is not only this classic uh, globe-trotting archaeologist, but he's also the, you know, he's a hero. He changes from caring just about rewards and fame and glory to actually doing what is right. Now, there is sort of a plot problem with these stories. And, and Harrison Ford, not, and I'm not, Harrison Ford is amazing in it. Honestly, Spielberg's directing is great. Oh, and, you know, the soundtrack, amazing. But the one thing I kind of catches me up, at least in the first trilogy, is that, you know, they're told out of time. So even though Temple of Doom takes place first, he's already had this very concrete, obvious encounter with the occult, but he goes back to, you know, as an agnostic uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, arguably, maybe he's not an agnostic in the Christian God, and he believes in, you know, Hinduism, but or the supernatural forces, but, you know, and again, that's because the stories are told out of order, which is fine. It's a Non-linear storytelling is great, but it does kind of create some problems there. Not to mention the fact that he does have quite a few supernatural experiences, including, I believe, once coming across uh, a vampire in uh, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So let's talk about the distaff version of Indiana Jones, and that is Laura Croft. Now, originally she was going to be Hispanic, and she was made English, and honestly, I I can't imagine her not be. I mean, a Hispanic or a Spanish character would have been great, but yeah, that English just sets it off. And Angelina Jolie did perfect in the later, last Tomb Raider movie, which was what five, six, seven years ago. Good, good. It was sort of an introduction story, but it was a good story. Um, now, the one thing, the two things that Laura Croft is, of course, remembered besides the fact that you know. Her adventures uh, are, of course, her breast, and which the game co publishing company swears to this day that that was caused by a coding error. Well, maybe. Okay, maybe it was, but uh, you didn't fix that error. And that's kind of, I, I kind of feel bad about uh, for Laura. I mean, yes, it probably got a lot of teenage boys and girls excited about the game. But that's the other thing about Laura, that she's such a popular icon. In you know, the 90s, early 2000s, this was an experience a lot of boys had, the first real experience of experiencing life as a female. And, and, and a lot of, se lot, several uh, members of the transgender community have come to me and said, hey, you know, this is where I got a chance to explore who I really was. And you know what? More power to them. You know, that's as much as I like Indy and the rest of the other people that are on this list. Um, you know, that's that's an amazing factor there. So let's talk about a science fiction archaeologist and the only the only monthly comic that I, I buy and I have them pull, like, you know, have them pull, like specials coming out, is Dr. Afra. Now, Dr. Afra is the first post Marvel, uh, post 
yeah, post-Marvel reacquisition of the uh, Star Wars line to get her own comic, uh, comic book. And if I was to describe her, if you took maybe um, take Indiana Jones and combine her with Boba Fett and make her a lesbian Asian and put her in space. Uh, and a lot of people don't like her because she really is this true... She's not evil. She often ends up doing evil things, but that's to save her life. She started out as being hired by uh, Darth Vader. In fact, she's one of the few people that outsmarted Vader when she tricked him. Uh, you know, he, she had information, you know, that, you know, his children were still alive and he was going to execute her. And so she tricks him by saying, well, you know, whatever you do, don't throw me out the airlock. So, of course, he uh, throws her out the airlock, and she has a spaceship waiting for her. Eventually, things get better, and he realizes that he kind of needs her for a, for a job there. Interesting thing about Dr. Aphra, too, is she's got two, basically, major skill sets. One, she's an archaeologist and explorer, but she's also what they call a slicer, which is basically a hacker. So her character deals with high technology, but also ancient history in the Star Wars. And there is an amazing Star Wars crossover, which is basically like a hammer horror Star Wars, you know, comic book and series. And that is The Screaming Citadel, which is kind of like a zombie slash vampire slash werewolf story with, you know, the main Star Wars heroes in which, you know, Aphra basically ch uh, ch chastises uh, Han Solo for not shooting first. And, you know, I've already mentioned uh, doc Dr. Uh, Daniel Jackson, who in a lot of ways is kind of the heart, but also kind of the jerk, because he doesn't quite fit in, uh, of Stargate SD-1. And where, you know, O'Neill respects him as well as Carter, but the others, even Tilk, comes from a military tradition. And so Carter, or excuse me, Jackson, he's kind of the odd man out. He's the least combative, but he also, you know, he has this incredible archaeological knowledge, uh, which actually comes more in play in some of the flashback episodes than, you know, it does through the series. Um, and you know, I like Daniel Jackson character. I like both actors who played it. But he always just sort of didn't mesh. And I think that's a credit to the writers that they let him keep kind of this, I don't want to say nerdiness, but this sort of, not pacifist, but civilian viewpoint. Uh, and yeah, he's a little bit pompous. You know, I think uh, Carter has a PhD in you know, physics or something. So he's not necessarily the smartest person on the team. And Jack O'Neill definitely has this sort of street smart tactics to him. But he definitely makes the sort of the perfect forming a part of the cohesion of the four main characters. You know, in Star Trek, you know, Picard, of course, was very into archaeology and anthropology. Uh, but he wasn't really a archaeologist. I think that his science training was mainly as a physicist, or at least we see that in, again, one sort of ultimate universe version. But we also come across 
what is possibly, and I haven't seen the new Picards, that outside Beverly Crusher is Picard's you know, one true love, and that is Vash, who kind of goes ahead and seduces um, Q, but she comes from an archaeological background. And that just, even in the far future, where, you know, archaeologists might be digging up the current time, there's still going to be archaeologists, at least in science fiction. And, of course, we've got, you know, the, the mummy. The new one. No, 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 not that new one. The one, new one when I went and saw it 20, 25 years ago. You know, the one with Brendan Fraser and, yeah. Uh, and then we've got Evie and, and Rick. And Evie is, even though, because she's a woman, she doesn't necessarily have official education or the education that, you know, uh, others around her are limiting her to, where we, she, she still is the brains, where where Rick is this, you know, two-fisted hero. And, and again, he's he's tactical, he's streetwise, uh, but he doesn't have the academic knowledge that Evie has. And that's why the two together are sort of like this perfect pair. Now, definitely not horror or science fiction, but I think there's a very interesting uh, view of archaeology the dark side from uh, Hillerman's uh, The Thief of Time. And you know, that's what the Navajos call archaeologists because they're literally stealing from the past. Uh, and even though I, I respect that worldview, I you know disagree with it, but I think it's very fascinating to see that and the archaeologists in that story. And now, yeah, this is, you know, a, a, a trope, it's a staple character, it's a building block of stories, and, and I can name uh, a lot more, like in Gold Diggers, I mean, there's a lot of anthrop uh, archaeologists or anthropologists in fiction. Uh, we don't really see a lot of that in Lovecraft. Uh, he's much more into antiquarians, which are... Um, kind of like they were popular in the 20s and the 30s, kind of historian, art dealer, local anthropologist. Uh, we see a little bit, even the um, the uh, anthropological team or archaeology team that was exploring Australia uh, in the uh, Yithians base, you know, they're led by, the guy started out as, I believe, in economics, uh, and, you know, again, there's scientists that are archaeologists, I think, in the dire expedition in the Mountains of Madness, which kind of, I mean, yes, and they know a lot for a bunch of, you know, uh, materialist, progressive uh, intellectuals. They seem to know a lot about obscure uh, Arabic uh, myths and, well, you get the point. But we don't see that as much in Lovecraft as one might expect. And that might kind of be in response to how many uh, archaeologists were in the pulp by other writers. Could we just uh, Lovecraft, you know, he, he maybe liked, he didn't like characters. He liked stories much more than characters. You know, and Randolph Carter, you know, is familiar with archaeology, but I don't think he was an archaeologist. And there are, of course, 
real archaeologists at that time, uh, Percy Fawcett, who disappeared while trying to discover, you know, the lost city of Z, you know, even though the book to some extent in the movie is probably fictionalized, uh, you know, he was a real person. Uh, Schliemann, who was, Schliemann, uh, Heinrich Schliemann, who discovered Troy, or what we call Troy, was basically, an, he was a pharmacist, or owned a pharmaceutical company, or was an heir, got rich, retired, and said, well, I'm going to go ahead and find this city that no one else believes. And, you know, he did apparently, and, you know, I take this with a grain of salt, run around where he thought Troy was and use, you know, what they told how long it had to run around the city to get where the walls are, and he was pretty much on a right. So there have always been these globe-trotting archaeologists in real life, and, and including adventures like Fawcett and Schliemann, but again, they're not quite like uh, Jones and Croft. Now, speaking of Jones and Croft, I think it's time to return back to, uh, to uh, Spitzer and Martin. Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under 80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio.
Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This week, we are talking about Bubba Hotep. Uh, Gretchen, do you want to start us off on Bubba Hotep this week? Well, I mean, it's not my pick. It's actually Dave's pick. I know. But Dave started off the last one. That's okay. <laughs> it doesn't hurt my feelings at okay. all. Dave, Dave, you got us. What's this movie about? Who directed so, it? Who's in it? So, first of all, who wrote this? the novel or the novella? Which is... Uh, Joe Lonsdale. Okay, okay. And he is, I think, amazing. Um, he did, among other things, uh, he he did several of the event Batman Adventures. Okay. Comic. Uh, I mean the uh, the TV show. Oh, a lot oh of really? Other things. He did, among others, he did a he did a lot of comic books for, books for a while, and he did. Um, a version of Robert E. Howard's um, Pigeons from Hell, oh. where the two travelers going to the plantation mm-hmm. are actually, he changes them to two African-American sisters who are taking back the plantation where their family had actually been slaves. Okay. And then Sheriff Kirby is basically combined with Shaft and made this, this bad mother. Um, Great comic book version. Um, he also wrote, and I know there's a lot of sort of problems, but he wrote one of my favorite horror stories. Um, oh, uh, Incident on and off a country road, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was made into a Masters of Horror. In fact, I think it was the first of the Master of Horror series. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people, it's, it's a feminist story told from a male perspective, but but I love that. And you definitely see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Joe Lonsdale in in this in the story. Okay. And it first appeared, and I actually found got a copy, and I ordered. It's coming in next month. Uh, of um, the King is Dead, a collection of posthumous uh, Elvis stories, uh, and I found it of all places, Walmart's used book section online. Interesting. So, are you a big Elvis fan, Dave? Not really, but I love this character. I love this version. I love Bruce Campbell's version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved I loved Agent Elvis when it was on when it came mm-hmm. out on Netflix. So I like Elvis. Have you read yeah. the the Army of Darkness Bubba Hotep comic? So no. that's coming in the mail. <laughs> that one is ordered. It's coming in about two weeks. Oh, right on, right on. I think you'll dig it. Yeah. And I love that you got two Bruce Campbell characters. Yeah. 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 Pretty fun stuff. Pretty fun stuff. So that answers nothing of what you asked. Sure. But so it's a story where Elvis or an Elvis impersonator teams up with an African-American, John F. Kennedy, to eliminate a mummy that is sucking the souls out the anuses of old people in a rural Texas. Okay. There's something about that, to be honest. Um, I remember, I mean, in a lot of mythologies, the soul resides in a, like, part, like, something inside of your like guts that you can ask me, can be removed through your anus. Like, um, in Japanese stuff, it's, um, Shir- uh, Shirokodama 
And like the kappa will like suck your shitter kodama out of your butthole. Jeez. That's no good. No. So I guess it's like, I know there's like, it's in the Egyptian mythology, isn't there like um, something kind of like a shirokodama? Uh, you're talking to the wrong person here. Yeah. I don't think we have any Egyptologists on the show currently. <laughs> but yeah. I just thought that uh, was interesting. Yeah, that's 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 interesting for sure. I didn't know coppers could do that. I thought they just, you tricked them by bowing and the water falls out of their head and then you run away. Oh, yeah, yeah. They take you, eat your shirakodama. Oh, okay. Like, which literally means butt ball, ball or something like that. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So uh, one sort of a uh, Lovecraftian or Lovecraft connection. Mm-hmm. So there's that book. It's like the soul people or something that JFK keeps reading. Yeah. So inside the writing, it's actually, um, and on the prop, it's Lovecraft's uh, on supernatural horror. Okay. So they they use that as as base the text for that in the prop. Gotcha. Interesting. That's cool. That's very cool. So, yeah, let's let's start talking about the movie. I want to talk about less about buttholes, <laughs> less about buttholes, and maybe more about uh, what's his name, Sebastian? No, uh, Sebastian Half. Yeah, yeah Sebastian yeah. Half. Sebastian Half. So, I really like this idea of an elderly man in a retirement home in East Texas who may or may not be Elvis because of a, a propane explosion that blew up all of the stuff that would prove that he was Elvis. And a the trailer park barbecue propane explosion. Yes, yes. And, and, and half who, who uh, you know, uh, the real Sebastian half dies in 1977 because he doesn't know how to handle fame and overdoses and all that other stuff. Uh, Yeah. So according to Elvis, they trade places so he can get away from all the drugs for a while. Yeah. Half like drugs more than he did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in this, in this world, I like to think that it's uh, Sebastian uh, who's, who's with Nixon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, no. Um let's see. Um so I got another trivia fact. Okay. So that you know that scene where Sebastian or, or Elvis falls off the uh, stage and he breaks his hip? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they almost all the extras they hired in that mm-hmm. were professional extras. They just okay. hired people. And they didn't realize how long it took to shoot a scene. So so it started out with literally 100 people, and people would just get bored and walk off. And by the <laughs> time that they were done, there were only like 12 extras still there. Oh, wow. That's, That's funny. interesting. I just thought about – I just realized that I was kind of thinking about this in the Silver Key mm-hmm. and how, like – 
that's all a narrative of reflection on his former life. And basically, oh, sure, so yeah. is this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Elvis reflecting. And it's all self-narration of Elvis. And it's all his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there's like, I don't know. Okay. I, I, have, I like this film. I think it's kind of fun. It's a fun watch. It's also kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like Elvis is kind of a gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's a. Creep. He's not very nice to women. No. You know. It's just. Um, I mean, he's like pretty pervy, and like he talks about his dick a lot. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um. So, so originally, yeah. though, it was gonna have two narratives. Narrators. Okay. It was gonna have Elvis, and then it was gonna have somebody. And in parts, it would be Joe Lonsdale, or possibly, who read actually out of the book. So, so I have these conflicting narrators. Oh. It just tested it, the audience. It, it tested bad with the audience. So oh. I, I think it was. Oh. But it, it kind of adds to this irre, uh, unreliable narrator idea. That's pretty cool. I like that. I do think this movie is really funny, though, like the idea of like um, a mummy that um, fell out of a truck and that fell into the water. Or was it didn't it fall into like the, the creek or something like that? And then it ended up washing ashore. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Something but along no, those lines. Yeah, I just thought that that part of the thing was really funny. And did you guys notice the um, cameo by Reggie of Reggie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Phantasm. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's a Don Costco really film. It cannot do not do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uses the kind of the same cast, like the girl who plays like the young woman. Um, she was like the one who's like the daughter of the his roommate that dies really badly. Yes. Yeah. Callie. Like she, um, she's in a few Don Costco. She was in the the a Phantasm film. Okay. So he's kind of like David Lynch. He likes to reuse actors as well. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. So Very one cool. of the things, though, I think is the costumes mm-hmm. and the makeup. Yeah. And almost all of that was volunteered. Oh, wow. Cool. That that, uh, that he called in some favors. And that was why I think the costumes, they just charged him material. Pretty much same with the makeup. And I, that's why I think that is much better than the rest of the movie. And I don't think, really, not put down the, the rest of the movie, but it's at such a high level mm-hmm. is because they didn't have to pay for it. They get such a high quality and not pay for it. Huh. Mm, right on. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty awesome. So do you guys think the sequels are going to happen? Oh, Bruce Campbell said that he's not going to do it but oh i mean uh, Coscarelli though wanted to do bubba nosferatu yeah yeah in 2007 i was at the new art which is this basically this art house theater outside ucla Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. me and my friend had driven up there so we could see uh my name is bruce okay oh cool after afterwards bruce campbell came in and he did this like 30 minute sketch and stuff and just some hilarious stuff. And someone asked him about it. And he, this was the time that he and, and Castorelli had separated their ways over creative differences. And he, he, at that time he did say that it was going to happen and that it was going to be Ron Perlman. 
Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Oh, but that'd be cool. Who knows? Cool. Yeah. So, but that died. In fact, um, oh, uh, uh Paul Giamatti. Giamatti. Yeah. 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 Was supposed to play Colonel Parker. Yeah. I've heard but, that. I've heard that. But I mean, that, you know, Paul Giamatti's in next week's film. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the, that's where him and Casanelli got together and started talking about doing the script. Hmm. Makes but sense. It is almost guaranteed not to happen. So another thing, I have three things on order this week that are coming in the middle of July. Is Lonsdale wrote, um, uh, Bubba and the Cosmic Vampires. Yeah, that okay. I didn't know. Cool. Cosmic Bloodsuckers or something like that. Yeah, and that uh, as a IDW comic, I believe. Hmm. So that's that's so yeah, I'm gonna have to do like a, a middle part where we talk about all that. But that's probably going to be the only sequel we're going to get. Okay. Well, you never know what happens. That's okay. I mean, yeah. honestly, <laughs> I mean, I've liked what Coscarelli's moved on to do later, as we're going to talk about next week. But like, yeah. I, um, I think it was like a this to me felt like a natural progression of his like his his direct directing in general because I mean we we talk about like you know Phantasm and Beastmaster and then um, this. And it's just uh -huh. like this is some, you know, that was a there was an escalation. <laughs> yeah, and, and it so gets it better. Like be, it just gets better. It was going to be uh, a trilogy though that we're thinking about, and the final one was supposed to be Bubba Hotep at Roswell. Oh, right <laughs> on. Elvis took on aliens. Okay. Ah, uh, um, I watched this in a hurry this morning. And my notes say something like Cleopatra does the nasty. What? Those those, those psychic visions. Uh, it was something that I thought Ozzie Davis read on the wall. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a dumb throwaway line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, no, this uh originally when it was premiered, it was it was uh it was roadshowed. It was it was driven around the country. There was only twenty-four uh copies of it made and it went around the country. Or thirty-two prints, not twenty-four, thirty-two yeah, prints. Yeah, I heard something in the thirties, low thirties. Uh were made and circulated around various film festivals, and that's where everyone found out about it, and that's when everyone wanted to buy it on DVD, and then later it was on Netflix. But yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I think I saw this like I just I mean, I think I saw it at the Hollywood Theater, to be honest, uh -huh. back in two thousand two. Okay. That feels right because I remember seeing this in a theater. Or maybe I saw it at like the Clinton Street. I can't remember. Either or, I just I remember being like, "All right, this immediately is." I was like, "Wow, Costco Radley. Yeah, <laughs> this is so different from Phantasm and like you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was such oh, a different. Yeah. It was so like I was so struck by it, and um, ended up immediately like as soon as it was available, buying it on DVD. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I... The commentary on mine has like um. El he does um. Bruce Campbell does the commentary in Elvis's perspective. Uh huh. Uh -huh. And it's cool. glorious. I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen it. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh yeah. No. I I found out about it and I heard about it 
and I bought it. I ordered it. It showed up in the mail. I mean, I, I, I think I bought it from the website way back when. And like, I'd show it to people because I'm like, oh my God, you know how you loved Army of Darkness? Check this out. And people who were expecting Army of Darkness did not expect Bubba Hotep. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, this isn't Army of Darkness, but it's still very fun. It, it, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think Bruce Campbell, he's he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he can do with the tools that he has, he can do some really amazing things. I think that's true with any actors, but it's like Bruce Campbell's not like a leading man who's in like a bunch of stuff, but he is this like attractive guy who's kind of like King of B movies and stuff. And goddamn, he was awesome in this movie playing Hail Elf. the King, baby. Yeah. yeah and, and great chemistry with Ozzy Davis. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So. One other sort of trivia. Yeah. It's not two people. It's three people in the novella. Oh. And the third is an old woman who claims to be John Dillinger. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I like that. So, but yeah, no, I think that what really, there's so many things that I think are good about this. But one of the things that definitely puts it above other things is that chemistry between Ozzy Davis and Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. I love the fact that the uh, mummy does dress like a cowboy. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, he's in Texas. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, no, it's it's a great film. I mean, okay. It's not a great film, but it's a great film. I don't know if I can really explain that or or it's how fun much film time is what I always say. It's like what's that? Know, it's not a great film. It's a fun film. Yeah, it is a fun film. It's a really fun film. Uh, I, I recommend it if you like Bruce Campbell, if you like Ozzy Davis, if you like mummies, if you like if you like horror comedies in general. Like this is a really good like um, like uh, put on. This is a really great addition to the horror comedy genres. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like revolutionary about it, but it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question for you too. Do you think Don, uh, Don uh, Casarelli, do you think his, the middle part of his last name used to be do something else, but then he got into horror. So he decided to put scare in it. I'm just looking at his last name and I'm like, Oh, right there. It's scare. Uh, <laughs> no, I no. <laughs> Sorry, it was a dumb joke. I wasn't seriously asking that. Uh, Actually, right. I was looking at it as as Co Scar Ellie. Aha. When he did a talk at the Hollywood, um, he um, was. I don't know. Did you guys go to that? No, I, I don't believe so. It was for Ravager. Um, he uh, came with, I think, Weird War had him. He oh, was okay. a lot of fun. I, I got to take a selfie with him. He was super oh, nice. nice. Well, but yeah, cool. um, Don Coscarelli like, talked about all of his films. And he's just, um, he seems like such a chill dude. He's also not super old, which I realized like he was very young when he did uh, Phantasm. Yeah. yeah. Like, really young like teenager mm -hmm. yeah 
I thought that was really cool. I mean, it kind of speaks volumes. I mean, it was like 1979. So, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's some legitimate scares in this movie, too. Oh, when sure. When I first saw it, a yeah. bunch of us came over and we were on my apartment. We had, you know, the lights turned down. There were like six or seven. And I had a friend who literally walked out during the part, I think, where uh, the nurse was walking down the hall by herself because it, it just scared her so much. Oh, I thought wow. that the iron lung scene was really creepy and like yeah. all the things with the scarabs were super creepy. Yeah. Like those had those elements and I liked like the lighting that was used and whatnot, especially the iron lug cracks me up just because it's such a, um, so antiquated, such an antiquated medical, um, implement as well as like, um, something we all like those of us who were, you know, in our early, in our mid forties and late earlier, um, we remember the, the whole concept of the iron lung. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. There's he did. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. As I had mentioned before, is John Lonsdale, but I was just looking here. He actually directed uh, Incident on and off uh, a mountain road. Oh, yeah. Country yeah. Road you, Don, I didn't realize really he had directed that. Yeah. But I can definitely see it. He's a good director. He's got a lot. He's a good. He's got a lot of oh, yeah. good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to say was I really enjoy, like, um, what I find scary about this film is the lighting and just like the tension and also the fact that it takes place in like the middle of nowhere, East Texas. It's, it's, mm. I don't know. I, I think it's because of one of my favorite films. I think Texas is scarier than it actually is, <laughs> but then again, I don't know. <laughs> Texas and, and so the the yeah. setting was the actual, an actual retirement home that had shut down. Oh, okay. And okay. It, it was all run down, and so they got it to work up cheap, but they had to basically refurbish it. Okay. okay. And ironically, because I'm just full of trivia, it burned down. Oh wow! Just like the original oh. cat, just like the original cabin, and you know, uh, uh, army. It's or cursed. Not army, yeah, yeah I think dead. Bruce Campbell may be a secret arsonist. <laughs> I, I did not. That, that he burst down as all his old sets. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I was joking. I don't think Bruce Campbell's an arsonist. But I ultimately, I just think this is a lot of fun as far as like, um, like a good, um, like addition against, again, I say, um, to the, the comedy horror genre. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I also feel like the, a lot of Don Coscarelli's films have kind of a funny um, undertone to them for some reason. Like, even if it's just like a, a like a joke here and there, but like, I mean, think about the character of Reggie. You think about like Beastmaster being kind of, they have some moments that are pretty funny. Uh-huh. Uh, Ninja Ferrets. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. It's I. It's not a great film, but it's a fun film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I, 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 uh, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, that's Bubba Hotep, and that's that's the end of the show for this week. Do you guys have anything you want to recommend? Anything that's going on? Uh, anything you're watching? Anything you're doing? I started yeah. watching films for the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Oh, how's that going? <laughs> Um, there's some of them are okay. All right. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm watching, uh, so I'm uh, Secret Invasion. And, oh, yeah. Know, I need if to... you're already, you don't need a recommendation. You're either watching it or you're not. But okay. it's, if you like the Cold War aspects of Winter Soldier, uh-huh. they're full blown right on this one. All oh. right. Uh, I would like to recommend getting. Oh, you about Secret Invasion? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I just started watching that too. I don't know. It's like, well, I guess the second episode just dropped. Yeah. I'm going to start watching it tonight, I think. But yeah. It's really good. Oh, good to know. Good to know. But I want to recommend getting eight hours of sleep. I rarely do it. And when I do, my brain works better. So if you can, get eight hours of sleep sometime and, and drink enough water. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, also, uh, yeah, I don't have anything spooky or scary to talk about this week, but yeah. We'll, we'll try harder. Yeah. yeah, we'll do better next week. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. See you then. Bye. That was a good episode. Thank yeah. you all very okay, much. I'll get this over to you in the... Uh... The, the middle part all right sounds good sounds good uh yeah and just a reminder to me and 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 everyone else next week we're talking about john dies at the end and what's the lovecrafty thing mm. i'm looking it up right now i'm yeah. trying to pop it up in my notes uh silver twilight okay yeah we're talking about the silver twilight Okay. All right. All right. Cool. You guys take care. All, All right. right. See y'all next Talk week. Talk to you later. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.